T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey original podcast in the huddle with Jason Lockenfora and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. And Brian now joins us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Baldy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it's always great to have you. Love the passion. Uh, you do such great film work as well. So I actually want to start with the Browns before we get to some of the playoffs and some of the big things in the NFL. How different is what Joe Woods did defensively the last couple of years to maybe what we could expect from Jim Schwartz and, uh, and of course, like a wide nine defense? Mm. Well, I think he'll probably play more man defense than what we'd seen. I think Joe played a lot of zone. Um, I think uh, the emphasis on the defensive front, uh, not that they didn't before, but I think Jim will have his hand in free agency and players and, uh, I think you'll have a lot to say. He'll he'll want to be eight deep game day. He'll want to rotate uh, his guys uh, quite a bit, keeping them fresh throughout the season. Um, that's always been a staple. Um, and I think they'll 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 tackle much better than they did a year ago. I mean, I think that's something that Schwartz will really emphasize. Uh, he knows how to he knows how to communicate with players, um, and he knows how to get the best out of them. I think you know Jim's a pretty quality defensive coach. Is there a certain position, Baldy, that would be a priority in this defense? Defensive line, for sure. Uh, specific. I mean, I, I think, you know, he comes from places where he had Albert Hainsworth in Tennessee, yep. Fletcher Cox in Philadelphia. I mean, I think, and, you know, I think anybody that's watched Cleveland the last couple of years, I mean, they need a force in the middle. I mean, yes, you know, Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett, but they need much better players, I think, at defensive tackle. 
And I would say that'd be a priority position right now in any Jim Schwartz defense. Baldy, you mentioned Miles, and you know it's it's been so uh, wild to watch how great he is, and still kind of this belief that we haven't seen the best uh, of Miles Garrett yet. Do you think there's still another level of play for Miles Garrett to to reach? Yeah, I do. I, I do think there is. I mean, I, you know, the talent is obvious; it's 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 clear to see. Um, but I do think there's a I think there's a part of great pass rushers that just know how to take games over. Nick Bosa, we are watching it. We, we see it. We saw it last week against Seattle. I mean, great pass rushers have to know. It's not about sacks or sack numbers. Those are important. Those come. But I think there's moments in a game where you have to say it's, it's, it's time to take over. And I think that's just – not that he hasn't done that in some games, but I haven't seen it enough. And I would say if I was talking to Miles on the phone, if I was sitting down in the film with him, I'd say I, that's what I would challenge Miles on. Know when the, the game is in the balance and know that you have the ability to change the game right now. Sacks, sack fumbles. Guys that win defensive players of the year usually have a lot of sack fumbles. They change the game. And I think that's, what, um, I think that's where he can take his game to. You know, it's interesting, Miles, this year, like late in the season – uh, I think it was the, actually the Saints game uh, back in December where he was actually benched for the, the first series of the game, and he's a team captain and all that stuff. Is, is that a little bit of a concern to you at all, Baldy? Well, I don't know the details. I don't know what Kevin – I don't know. either. <laughs> but, it, but but obviously, I mean, to see a captain get yeah, disciplined, I mean, it's not great. No, it's, it's, it's never a good sign. You want to be a lead by example. And if you're on the bench, then you're not leading by example. You obviously did something to incur that. Um, I, you know, look, I, I, I want to, like, I think Jim Schwartz is, is going, what, the one thing Jim, I think has a, a real ability to do. He's a very smart guy, but I think he has, I think what miles needs is ownership of the defense. Like this is your defense. This is why you're the captain. This is what we need to get out of your talent. You know, Brian Dable, you know, challenged Dexter Lawrence this year, Wake Martindale challenged him. They said, if you're not in the pro bowl, it's our fault. And Dexter Lawrence was the best defensive player in football in Super Wild Card Weekend. I, I just feel like there's a challenge to Miles. Okay, numbers, you, you get a lot of attention. Let, let's, let's, let's do some more. Let's do more than that. And look, help, you know, any kind of better production in the middle of your defense is going to make Miles better. So, you know, I, I think that he needs some help around him as well. Brian Baldinger on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, you know, we. We didn't get maybe what we wanted in those six games out of Deshaun Watson when he returned from suspension. It it felt like we saw glimpses, right? There was the first half of this game, the second half of this game, but it, there was just never four quarters of a great performance from him. And then, you know, out of that kind of, you know, came this conversation that the Browns are going to kind of change the offense this, this offseason, which was a little startling to me because I was like, well, shouldn't you have done that? This one, <laughs> why, why didn't you have the offense built around him here? So I did want to ask you, like when you watched those six games or if, when you watched any of what Deshaun Watson did over the final six games of this year, did do you see uh, a situation where he was put in the best situation to be the best version of himself? Well, I mean, like he was awful against Houston. I mean, but I expected him to be awful. He said something about it's like riding a bike. Well, it's not. His eyes were late against Houston. He wasn't good against Houston. He was better the following week. He had a great week against Washington. He wasn't good against Pittsburgh in the finale. 
so, you know, he was up and down. I thought the timing with, you know, guys, um, you know, with some of his receivers has to be better. But, you know, if you're not practicing with these guys, if you're not playing with them, if you're not game planning with them, I don't know that you can expect to be great. And so he needs a great offseason. Whatever the offense is going to be, um, you know, he's got great individual talent. He's a tremendous athlete. He's a good competitor. All those things are real. Uh, but, you know, quarterback, I mean, you just look at, say, a guy like Daniel Jones and how far he's come since the start of the season when everybody had him out the door in New York. Well, he's playing great, great quarterback right now, but he's got guys that practice every day, go to work every day, go in the film room every day. They're dependable. They're not great players that he's thrown to, but they're dependable. And you need to build that relationship with your team. And it's everybody. It's not just, you know, Joe Batonio. It's, it's the whole group. And the only way you can do that is if you're practicing with them every day, you go, you know, into the offseason, you're getting your reps in the offseason training camp. And I just feel like whatever we saw was just a, like, like just, uh, just the beginning. Like it has to go, it has to go much, much further, has to get much better in a very difficult and competitive division. Buddy, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are giving Jacksonville much of a chance this weekend against Kansas City. What do they must? What, what must they do to win this game? Well, I mean, I, you know, if you're not giving Jacksonville a, an op, a chance, then you're not really watching. I mean, their offense is a bona fide offense. He's got five options on any given play to throw the ball to. I mean, Christian Kirk is a slot receiver. Zay Jones is, is their outside receiver. Marvin Jones beats one-on-one coverage. Evan Ingram's a flex tight end. Travis Etienne is a dual threat. And the offensive line in front of uh, Travis, or, uh, Trevor right now is, I call it the Duval Wall. They're very good. They're very good. I mean, Sheriff and, and uh, Juwan, like, they're a good group, and they're playing very well. And so if you're not giving them a chance, like, you haven't really been watching this team. Like, they have improved steadily. They're much better than they were week 10 against uh, when they lost to Kansas City. And defensively, I mean, you watch Roy Robertson-Harris play. I mean, you'll t- Talk to guys that play against this guy. They're three technique. I mean, he's a handful. Batted down a lot of balls, line of scrimmage last week. Made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Josh Allen looks like a guy that was seventh pick in the draft right now. I mean, this, this, you know, Rashawn Jenkins has been a stud the last six weeks of the season. Like, they're Lua Khan. Boye Lua Khan led the league in tackles two years in a row. Like, they've got playmakers. And if you're, not, if you're writing them off, you just haven't really been watching them. And I know it's Patrick Mahomes. It's in Kansas City, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. It's true. But this team can go up and down the field and they can score points. Baldy, between those two teams, the the two heavy underdogs, uh, Jacksonville playing the Chiefs on the road and the Giants playing the Eagles on the road, which one of those teams do you give a better chance at uh, getting the upset this weekend? Mm -hmm. I'd probably say Jacksonville, just because of what we saw last weekend, down 27-0 and come back and play a flawless second half. Probably them, but, you know, the Giants are vastly improved uh, team. Like, the Eagles haven't seen the Giants at full strength yet. Uh, they sat all their players week 18, forget that one. Week 14, there was no Xavier McKinney. There was no Dory Jackson. There was no, you know, uh, Leonard Williams. Um, you know, they're, they're, there was no Daniel Bellinger. I mean, they're a vastly improved team just from a, um, a personnel standpoint. Uh, and they, they play with no fear. The defense coordinator, Wink Martindale, is as good a chess you know, match uh, maker in this business, the way that he can create blitzes, uh, take away your lead receiver like he did Justin Jefferson last week. Um, you know, He's a masterful coach, and he's got a lot of pieces to work with right now. 
Uh, I, I expect the Giants to give the Eagles all they can handle in this game. I think the Eagles are a better team and have been all year. But, you know, the Giants, I think both these games could be highly competitive. Baldy, of all the teams, and let's even throw some players in there too, who has the most to lose this weekend? Mm, I mean, look, nobody wants to lose this weekend. But, I mean, look, the Dallas Cowboys haven't won anything since, you know, right. 1995. I mean, you know, Jerry Jones is uh, 80 or 81 years old. Um, you know, they keep getting the playoffs and being disappointed. I mean, they expect, you know, to, to go to San Francisco and win this game. I, I think they probably have the most to lose. They've invested heavily in their players. They draft well. I mean, Micah Parsons is knows nobody else like him in this whole league. They draft really well. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I, if nobody wants to lose this thing, but I would say Dallas is going to be heartbroken if they go to San Francisco and lose. Baldy, last year, the names at quarterback that were on the move were Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, um, Matt Ryan, right? Those were all, and by the way, there's about 17 other ones. It felt like the the QB carousel. This year, uh, Tom Brady could be looking for a new home. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has kind of opened up the idea he could leave. Lamar Jackson, obviously. I I know you had some comments on WGR. Uh, If all three of those guys were available and – and whether it's for trade or free agency, if all three guys were available, who do you think is the safest player to try and acquire for and have immediate success next year? Well, I'd probably say Lamar because he's the youngest. I mean, you know, if you look at the guys that are quarterbacking this weekend, I mean, Dak Prescott at 29 is the oldest quarterback. I mean, it's a young man's league, and I'm not knocking Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but, you know, you're, you're playing with father time. We've seen a decline in both players' plays. This past season, um, maybe like Aaron Rodgers said, he can get back to the you know the levels. Maybe, maybe he needs a lot of help to do that. Maybe Tom Brady played awful against Dallas. Uh, I, I can't remember playing worse than that. And then, but then I say, well, he was that bad against Cincinnati too. You know, so we're seeing those kind of games creep in. But you know, Lamar is a special player. You got to build the offense around his talents. Um, but you know, Lamar has got he's got to improve as well. He's got to stay healthy. So I think there's question marks about all of them, but if you said, okay, write the check, sign the player, Lamar probably makes you better because you're going to be more difficult to defend than, than anybody out there right now. You mentioned Tom Brady and, and you know difficulties this season. How much different of a quarterback from a skill set is he from when he was last in free agency and went to Tampa three years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, he, he's got no mobility. I mean, he still can, you know, keep plays alive a little bit, but he gets the ball out quick. But that's why they averaged the fewest yards he's ever averaged per attempt this year because he got the ball out quick. So what? That's not winning any games for him. You know, you get the ball. You watch Josh Allen throw the ball in that playoff game. The ball's going down the field. You watch Jalen Hurts play at an MVP level this year. The ball's going down the field, and they're completing these passes. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get the ball down the field this year. And Tom Brady couldn't get the ball down the field this year. And Lamar struggled to get. You've got to complete balls down the field to your wide receivers if you're going to score in the 30s in this league. It's just the way it is right now. It's too hard to just go 12 plays and go 75 yards. It's just too hard in this league to do it. Uh, red zone, like you need to be able to throw the ball down the field better than all three of those guys that you know we're talking about right now. Um, they all struggled in that department this year, and it's why their offense is all struggling. Baldy, last thing, I'm just curious your thoughts on this since you played the game at such a high level and, and you're such a great analyst. Um, when you watch guys like like Tom Brady and, and some, some of these older guys get up there, 
is it better to retire at the top or is it better to just do it when you feel like you, you like Jerry Rice kept playing until he was in his 40s, right? I mean, like Tom may play another year. We don't know. But clearly on the decline, what's what's the best option for retirement? Well, I mean, just in life, it's always better to leave the party before the lights come on. <laughs> it just is, you know, uh, you know, and that's look, Troy Aikman. I think he wasn't even 35 years old when he retired after winning three Super Bowls. But, you know, his physical you know, abilities were failing him. And so he stepped away. But I always believe it's better to leave early and go out as close to on top as you can. Rather, because everybody has to transition in life. Everybody. I don't care what you do. Like at some point, there's a transition in life, and especially if you're an athlete. And, yes, if you can still play when you're 40, it's great. I'm not going to take the game away from anybody. I'm not suggesting that. But, you know, you're going you're gonna to decline at some point. Donnie United's decline. Joe Namath's decline. You know, I mean, they all decline at some point. And so are we – and it's, sometimes it's imperceptible. You know, you can kind of play with stats to make it look like you're still playing good. Um, the fact is, you know, everybody can see that Tom Brady struggled on Monday night against the Cowboys. So, you know, I just think it's better to go out on top. Uh, all these guys have had, you know, Hall of Fame careers. Uh, but, I don't know, stay around the game. And Brett Favre probably stayed too long. You go through the list of guys. I always believe it's, a little, it's better to go a little earlier than staying late. Baldy, great stuff as always, man. And uh, keep killing it both with the podcast, the uh, In the Huddle podcast, and everything else you do, man. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brian Baldinger there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the free Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. The Tom Brady performance on Monday night against Dallas brings up uh, Aaron Rodgers and his latest melodrama brings this up. And you even notice there's a, there's a um, a great tennis player that's kind of doing the same thing that Tom well, Brady's doing. I, I, honestly, it made me think of this the other night as I was watching Rafa, Rafael Nadal, who's one of the greatest tennis players of all time, start to kind of break down in the Australian Open. And he lost a match that he, um, you know, he lost to a, a way lesser player than, than him. Uh, definitely was outplayed, but... You know, after the match, and I mean, people have been talking about this for, for months and really the last year with him, like, is it time to retire? Mm-hmm. And he just he, he keeps kind of fighting back and ha- have these like two months off and comes back and then goes out and then doesn't really perform. And it just makes me think a little bit about like not just Rafa specifically. Um, I mean, by the way, he won. He won. He's, he's won a Grand Slam recently. Uh I just think about all athletes and it's like, is it better to go out when you're on top? I mean, Tom Brady, Tom Brady had such an opportunity. I mean, even after he won in Tampa, he could have left even last year had a great year and we'd still say he went out on top. Yeah, I think so. But this was a whimper this year. I mean, still put up good numbers, but the team didn't get the, the dubs. They didn't have the players around him. And I don't know. I just think back to like my childhood and like maybe I'm just nostalgic about some of it. I think about Jerry Rice, you know, like I remember him playing in, by the way, in he, Seattle. He, yeah. <laughs> in like for the Raiders. Yeah. Two, one, six, you know, five, seven, like, eight. Is that something you want to see? Two, one, six, five, seven, eight, double, oh, nine, two. Do you want great players to play until the wheels come off? 
it's funny because like Tom Brady, I've been a Tom Brady hater. I have, right? Like uh, Tom Brady and Kobe Bryant are two of the great players that in their playing days, I just didn't appreciate uh, the the Kobe thing because I was a Shaq fan. And I, I, I mean, Kobe was on some of the worst Lakers teams ever. Well, and not just that. After the Achilles, he just was never the same guy. Now, he did have a great last game. It was that's the way you go out. But like at the same point, I don't know that people care about it because people just disregard the end of careers. Like the the big one that everybody like the first ones that people remember in the NFL were like uh Johnny Unitas ending his career in San Diego and Joe Namath ending his career with the Rams. But like from from like our era growing up, nobody holds the Washington years against Michael Jordan. Right. Like when when Kobe passed away and we were talking about his career, if you mentioned the last couple years of of Kobe where he was basically kind of just chasing stats and taking up 75% of the Lakers cap, right. people got pissed at you. To this day, you know, I it's so weird to me the ebb and flow that we have with players because I, I've talked about this with the Trevor Lawrence thing. We love to build them up, we love to break them oh, down. Yeah. But once guys retire, like this is why the LeBron Jordan conversation can't really be had until like LeBron's retired three or four years. Because people don't appreciate what LeBron, everybody will not appreciate what LeBron has done until he's gone. They just won't. There, There's a certain amount of haters out there who their fandom is hating LeBron James. Right. So, and I say all this to say with the Tom Brady thing, like I thought this year, I thought this year made Tom Brady look really human to me. Mortal. And I'm okay with that. Like I, when I say I'm okay with that, I'm not rooting for him to fail, but it almost made me be like, man, can't go out like this, Tom. You got to come back. I mean, I even tweeted before the game against the Cowboys. I'm like, I'll never bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I was completely wrong, and he looked like an absolute mortal. Yeah, the one time I actually bet on Tom Brady in the playoffs, I ended up losing. So uh, seventy nine bucks. Still upset about that. No, I so, thought it was twenty nine. But like being seventy nine. But like as I'm as I'm thinking about this, still not over it. It's a lot of money to me. Um, but as I'm thinking about this, like there's a part of me that's like, man, I hope he can. I hope he decides to go to a team next year, and I hope he can go out on top. Right. But I think we know, like. I don't think it matters to Tom whether he goes out on top. I think it matters whether he's still having fun and making a buttload of money. And that's kind of also freeing. Yeah. Right? Like, that's kind of like... But, but Tom could retire and, and make so much more money. Yeah, he's got, what, $480 million I, I don't know. Fox something deal? ridiculous. And I don't even know if anyone wants to hear him talk. Well, but if he still, if he still loves playing, you know, oh, like l- l- listen. Who am I to judge a player for wanting to do something and have a, if they've got a passion for it? Then all, by all means, go mm-hmm. play. I'm just talking from a fan perspective. So I think from my side of things, I don't want to see a formerly great player play far below their greatness mm-hmm. and lose. Like the Tom Brady stuff this year, they still made the playoffs. Yeah, they got dust in the playoffs, but they still won enough to go to the playoffs, even though it was a bad division and all that. 
So, like, the thing that I found completely disinteresting was Kobe Bryant making $40 million a year, scoring 30 points a night on a team that won 20 games. That did literally nothing. But, like, LeBron. Like LeBron right now is still playing at a really high level. If LeBron, two years from now, mm-hmm. took a huge step back, but the Lakers were a contender or or a team that at least was, you know, top six team in the, the West, I'll take that trade off. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I'm a little on the fence of players playing until the wheels fall off. I just don't want to see that plus losing, because then it just feels like a a legacy act, and that's not that just that feels dirty in a way. Did Favre at the end feel like kind of like the wheels were falling off? Yeah, I mean, in fairness, like. Four of the last eight years felt like he was also like what like a play away from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, with Minnesota, which yeah. is the would have been the greatest double deuces to a fan oh, base yeah. ever. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. Do you want to see great players play until the wheels come off, or do you want to see them retire at at the top? I mean, like I, I look at LeBron. And LeBron's, what, 38 years old. Mm-hmm. He's approaching the all-time uh, scoring lead in, in all these things. And he's on a crappy team. You know, they're below 500. Um, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff. Like, I, it's kind of sad. Well, what sucks to me is that he's still playing at this level and they're not doing what they need to do to win with him. Yeah, that's it, what I find the sad thing. Do you, do you also think like maybe at a certain point in your career, if you get to that point where you've made so much money and you're still like serviceable, mm-hmm. do you like try to put yourself in a situation where maybe you don't have to do as much? I mean, that's I I, I always thought that's what LeBron would decide before the trade deadline. Like, guys, I'm doing all this yeah. work. We're not winning. Uh, send me somewhere where maybe I'm the third best player but that I can go have a real chance to win. Right. Like that really is the rub with LeBron is that he's got an organization mm-hmm. that that flaunts its greatness at every single opportunity. And now they've got one of the greatest players in NBA history and they refuse to do what it takes to win with him. That's what I think is particular. Like I don't think the Lakers, I think if you have a truly great player, I think there's a... Uh, um, I think you, you're you a custodian of their legacy. And it's really, it sucks to me to see a Lakers organization that doesn't care about that. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, and I think that speaks to what a spoiled organization they are because they've had Shaq, because they've had Kobe, they've had Kareem, they've had Wilt, they've had all the greats, Jerry West, they've had all those greats. So LeBron's just another great, right? LeBron's just another Star Wars film. It doesn't matter that he is the original the original trilogy great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and I just like if LeBron were still in Cleveland and the Cavs are like, "Yeah, we might win, we might not." I'd be furious with them. And like if I'm Tom Brady, I look at Tampa Bay and like, "Yeah, you kind of went you went half in this year." If I'm Tom Brady, it's not that I'm mad at the Bucks. But you got to understand the reason why Tom Brady should leave Tampa Bay is they're no longer doing what they did two years ago, which was go in and sign every player they could to win. That's equal parts of Tom Brady struggling. Yeah, I mean this this season they 
had like one of the worst rush offenses, right? I mean, like when they were winning, they were running the football. Mm-hmm. Um, their offensive coordinator was horrible this season. They just fired their entire offensive staff. Like there's there's a lot of reasons why I think Tom took a step back and that team took a step back. I, I just, I don't know. 216-578-0092 with Tom Brady uh, potentially on the way out talent-wise with Rafi Nadal and with Aaron Rodgers. You want to see great players play until the wheels come off? And I do think there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns organization should care about this conversation we're having. I'll tell you why. We're having the conversation, Dusty, with Tom Brady thinking he's going to try and play at 46, with Aaron Rodgers debating whether he wants to play another year or stay in Green Bay. You mentioned Rafi Nadal as kind of another great player that's kind of – not living up to his previous levels of greatness. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much on his way out. Um, you know, even though you can still play, there's a certain time that certain players decide to leave. I mean, I look at Roger Federer, another great tennis player, all-time great player, and his body started to shut down, and he just called it quits, basically. The conversation did put me in the mind of one Cleveland athlete, and I think it's so funny because I don't expect the Browns to be – um I don't expect the Browns to have this same kind of sentimentality, mm-hmm. but in hearing the morning show talk about Nick Chubb today and hearing, you know, what I think is a very pragmatic line of thinking from Anthony Lima, the whole time I was thinking like a fan, like I don't want to see Nick Chubb wear another Jersey. You know, I can't imagine what it was like for like uh Baltimore fans to watch Jamal Lewis. The final was at three years in Cleveland. I can't imagine what that was like. So I don't mind seeing players hold on past their expiration date, but I do hate it in a situation like we've got in Cleveland where Nick Chubb's going to be 27 and where you start to wonder, you're playing a guessing game Yeah. when when all of a sudden he's not going to be the same player. I'm sorry. If you're going to run, if, if the tread's coming off Nick Chubb at any point in the next three years, I need it in Cleveland. Who else is like that? Miles is going to be that kind of guy. I feel like a lot of people. I feel I felt like uh, I feel like a lot of people felt that way with Joe Thomas once upon a time. I was I was much more of the if he doesn't want to be here, set the man free. He suffered enough, <laughs> and and I was and and I think we all kind of knew Denver was going to have a chance to win a championship one of those years that he could have been traded. I also think football is a little different too. I I I don't know why, but like the NBA t- guys just go to different teams all the time. Mm-hmm. And because NBA and NBA NFL careers are a little bit shorter, I feel like you know, like if you're a high draft pick and a team signs you to a second deal, I mean, you're playing nine years. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a long time. Yeah, and there are certain positions where that's the case, like with the running back position. Let's go real quick here. We got Bill. 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 Welcome to the show, Bill. Hey, you guys. Great program. Thank Thanks, you. Man. I, you know, I wasn't going to talk about Tom Brady, but basically I, I view him as a dysfunctional guy. I mean, he's got all the money in the world. He's got kids on two coasts, one one son who's a teenager. Uh, he cocoons himself in Tampa Bay. And, you know, come on, Tom, be a parent, get over it. Uh, there's other parts of life that you need to be. Sometimes you have to be a parent, Tom, and uh, it's, it's not all about you. But anyway, I was going to, talk about uh, LeBron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have trouble, you guys, and God bless you that, when people say, oh, poor LeBron's on the Lakers. Well, you guys have forgot when LeBron was here, 
in uh, Cleveland, who was who was uh, basically making the calls for the Cavs to get players? LeBron. Who do you think LeBron, who is basically the general manager in Los Angeles right now? It's not Polinka. No, so, so at, real quick, Bill, um, the dynamic is not the same there since he signed the, the extension. Jeannie Buss is, is a is big decision maker there, and she's the one that apparently is kind of blocking them using future picks to upgrade the roster. Well, but thank God. Uh, it, it, why? You, those those but, picks but don't mean problem, anything. Well, and I, and Nick, you may disagree with me, but I believe that LeBron, it's going to surprise you, is maybe one of the most inefficient basketball players of all time, right up there with Wilt Chamberlain, in which, you know, at the time, at the end, Wilt had one championship. Who would have believed that LeBron here would have had one championship after 12 years? And then he had to load up the team down in Miami to get it. So no, no young player wants to play with him because, by and large, he really stalls your development. He hogs the ball. Everybody knows anytime you hold the ball in more than you know, 30% of the time, your team's efficiency goes way down. And he still does it, and he knows it. Yeah, so, I, I just think, and I appreciate the call, buddy. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just disagree. I mean, in terms of the inefficiency, I don't care. He wins. And I just I, I think we've just gotten to a point where I, I get that there's some anti-LeBron sentiment out there. I just can't. I, I can't even indulge it. I really can't. I, he is – to me, it makes no sense that we would run down what, what LeBron has accomplished because for every everything you can say he only won one championship in 12 years here – that's one more championship than any other Cleveland athlete has in brought to this town five years since Jim Brown. So it's just tough. I, I understand the sentiment, and I don't. And by the way, it's not. I'm not say, speaking for Bill here. Uh, I understand that LeBron's legacy is tough because there are things outside of sports that it, that that kind of complicate that. LeBron James is the greatest Cleveland Cavalier ever. LeBron is one of the two best basketball players ever. Or if you want to make it to three, because Kareem belongs in that conversation. Sure. I'm, I feel sympathy for a guy who cares about winning and is hamstrung by a bad organization. And that's what the Lakers are. Rob Palenka is not a good GM. Um, the Bus family, even though I like me some Genie Bus, the Bus family is not a good ownership. And it's and what actually what I will say is because we're having the conversation of do you want to see great players play till the wheels come off? It does pain me to see a guy who has cared as much about winning as LeBron James and who's felt like that's a huge part of his legacy no longer care enough to exert his authority and either force his way out of L.A. or force their hand and make them make a trade. That does bug me a little bit as a LeBron mega fan. Hey, listen, he, he had the choice to sign that contract. Yeah, I think it's easier to say I'm not going to sign this contract. Now, you could say he could force his way I out. I also think he's – I know he's miserable losing, but he's in Los Angeles. He seems happy with, with everything outside of the basketball part of his life. I think he is, but again, that's the thing. Like, how do you – when did you flip the switch from win at every cost, <clears throat> trade everything – Damn personal relationships. When did you go from that to, yeah, I'll take $50 million to win 38 games in a year? 
I, I, and that would be like a real question because I don't know. Maybe LeBron thinks he's got the legacy thing. Maybe he thinks once he he, he surpasses he Kareem. To, it, yeah, I mean, at this point, it, it's got to be about the points and not about the championships. Or maybe it's just about surviving long enough to play with the sun. Ah, pains. And by, and by the way, I hope that happens yeah, for Yeah, that'd be him. cool. I just wish he still cared about winning as much as he did in Cleveland. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.